Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I do want to, it is, it is funny, Gavin, and I want to kind of, it is funny because it happens tonight, I want to touch on it. It's not obviously, not in Stars land, but over in Florida tonight, obviously Florida wins in overtime against, against Tampa, but it goes up, goes up 3-0 and everything like that. And obviously Florida still has to get game number, win number four to close them out and everything like that, but is winning a round of the playoffs if if you win a round of the playoffs but you don't win a second you don't win a single game in the second round did you really do it it's it's, it's almost <laughs> it's almost it's like it's like it's like the if a tree falls in the forest like like that it's kind of what the maple leaves feel like right now so <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh that's true ah boy if they sweep them that is that is amazing. I mean, just that picture of the Maple Leafs fans in Toronto, just still after the game, like in shock. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're on a roll right now. Bobrovsky's, wow. I mean, he is playing amazing right now. He's back to Columbus, Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, we always knew that Florida had a collection of talent, but they really didn't excel like a lot of people thought they would during the regular season and you know it was it was brought up um uh, tonight by uh greg finley who produces this podcast that and i totally kind of forgot this if pittsburgh doesn't lose to the chicago blackhawks and pittsburgh wins florida's not even in the playoffs yeah well yeah it's I was, uh, I remember right around the time that happened, I was, uh, cause I'm in a, I'm in a playoff playoff pool with a bunch of other media members. And it was at the time it was before things had been completely finalized and, um, it had Pittsburgh had just had that loss to Chicago and, but there was Pittsburgh still like needed one other mathematical thing to go against them or whatever it was to, to not, uh, to be officially eliminated. And I remember there was a whole debate of like, ah, does someone try to snag Crosby in this playoff fantasy pool? Because, but then the Blackhawks killed all of that. So, yeah. I mean, they're the Panthers are the perfect example though, of sometimes, and I've used this example a couple of times and I may have used this on this podcast. If I have, if I have, I apologize, but I think it's such a great example the Panthers are the perfect example of sometimes you need the practice tests to pass the real test. And the Boston Bruins didn't have the practice test. The Panthers have been, they had, they've been in playoff mode for three weeks before 
like full blown playoff mode for three weeks before the real playoff started. And you're seeing it now and, and, and things like that. So I don't know the fact that they're up, the fact that, that, that they could potentially sweep Toronto is it's objectively hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so it's... Yeah. And the fact that they haven't been home, this was their first, you know, they have not been home. They stayed in the Boston area and then went to Toronto after game seven. So they basically haven't been in Florida for a while now. So that was a long road trip for them. So it's just, it really is a great story. I, I wanted to ask you, and I don't think there is a solution to this, but I'm watching the Edmonton Vegas game last night and clearly a blowout. Yeah. And what started all the physicality as far as the dropping of the gloves was an open ice hit by Vegas. And I understand players have to play hard and, and, you know, it doesn't matter what the score is and you need to send a message for the next game, but I don't know, Sean. I, I just felt as though that, that open ice hits in that, you know, I think it's unnecessary that you're lining people up when clearly the game's out of reach. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's. I don't think there's anything we can do about it, Sean, no, but I just wanted I know, I to say, yeah. like, to me, it's yeah. like, you know, that could have been a poke chick, or, you know, or a, or just a, you know, a rub of the shoulders or something like that. Yeah, I. it's, it's kind of that weird space, right? Where it's... Yeah. The game is out of hand, and you know you're inciting something by doing it. And I, it, it's one of those where I don't, I can't be upset about it because I want, I do as much as I don't like certain hits and I, and things. I I still want, I still think hitting is a healthy part of, is a uh, is a healthy part of the hockey game. And so I still want it there. So it's it's one I can't really argue against it, but I also I very much see your point where it's you need to read the situation and sometimes let bygones be bygones without creating more. Yeah, yeah. As, I mean, it's kind of like the end of you know. I know the stars toward the end of the game were getting a little chippy, but I, I just don't like the the Max Doney. Uh, you know, hit to the back of the knees and, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. It's like, come on guys, you know, it, it is what it is, but you know, that's hockey and I don't want the physicality taken away from hockey. So I can't say that and then bring up those topics. But for some reason it just bugged me because it was the beginning, I think of four fights. Um, and, and that's one of the things that impresses me about Edmonton now is, is that you're right. The power plays really really good but also the physicality and defensively they're so much better than they have been in years past yeah it's uh edmonton is a monster right now it's yeah. you have the i mean what dry doing in the playoffs is historic you have and obviously mcdavid's the best player in the world and it's they're doing it where they're kind of they're kind of they're they're it's it's it would be kind of like obviously we for the sake of this podcast and the sake of, of of our listeners we obviously don't want that to be the case but it is it would be interesting to see from a hockey perspective to we always we always hear all oh, in the playoffs no you you can't the power play can't it's the dirty goals that will get you there you can't do this you can't do that it would be interesting to see a team do the whole thing with this type of power play because it, we always get told we always get told by conventional thinking that 
you know what? At some point you're going to need the dirty goals. At some point you're going to need this. You're going to need that. The power play is not going to be, the power play is not going to be there for you. And Edmonton is completely going against that trend right now. And I just, I, I, I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, it's just like, now they've two of the best, they have two of the best players in the world on their roster, on the ice and the power play. But I, Vegas is in the regular season was a decent penalty killing team. Like I don't, one of the things that I'm curious to see as we move forward with these power plays and how effective they are, when do teams start? When do teams, when do, when do teams start getting a little bit more creative and throwing basically the proverbial throwing that's the podcast is not live radio throwing shit against the wall to see what sticks. Sure. Like, like when do we get to the point where you're like, okay, you know what? I'll, I'll double team dry. So I'll, I'll, I'll throw two guys on dry side. I'll go through guys through two guys on McDavid. Just, just seriously. Like what I'll, I'll just do that. Like Keller Yamamoto me, me beat me like nothing against Keller Yamamoto, but yeah. right. Like, like just like, it's just like, okay, I, I, I want it. Like eventually if you're Vegas, what if, what, why, why don't you just go to that spot eventually? Like, Right. I'd li- I'd like to see some more creativity from Vegas and penalty killers in general on maybe trying to adjust to this. At least try something else because right now the current norm is is uh, puck in the back of the net for Edmonton. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I was thinking about the dry sidle and Connor McDavid, and I was thinking Messier and Gretzky were another duo where Messier was clearly great, but Gretzky was the star. And then in the, and it's early, but the um, example I came up with was Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio. And the Mick got a lot of the credit, but Joe DiMaggio was clearly one of the best baseball players of all time. So I just wonder, you know, I mean, just it's it's all hypothetical, Sean. But I mean, Leon Draisaitl plays for Vegas or the LA Kings or the Dallas Stars. You know, how good is Leon Draisaitl? I mean, are we are we calling him one of the top three in the NHL? I mean, it's just I don't think he gets overshadowed in Edmonton, but at the same time, you know, it's it's pretty amazing that they have two superstars like that. Yeah, and I, I think Draisaitl is. I mean, he's a great player. I don't want to, I, I, I don't think he's a 128 point player if he's not playing with McDavid though. I think, I think he's, I think that, I think that, that, that point total is inflated by playing with McDavid. I don't think that's, I don't think that's uh, on the, and on the power play, I mean, of his, I just pulled it up of his 128 points this year, it's 62 on the power play. I think a more realistic number is he's probably a hundred point player without McDavid, but McDavid is definitely elevates him quite a bit. I don't think he, um, and so he's a hell of a passer too. Like the, the thing that's most impressive to me about dry in this playoff run has been the goal scoring and not that he, like he has, he's got 50 goals and back-to-back seasons and everything like that. But, but he's a guy who for, for, for my money, Dreisaitl is someone who makes his living and, and, and drives can, and when he drives games, it's because of his passing ability and the fact that he's scoring the way he is in the playoffs and the clip he's scoring at that to me is the most impressive part. And that's the part that I would love to like, you'd love to like, try to like 
isolate is that the is that the outlier or is that the new norm and i just it's it's kind of one of those fun things to to think about if if you're an edmonton fan it's a fun thing to think about (laughs) yeah absolutely a couple of other hockey notes before we um and the allen americans change their Mm -hmm. playoff schedule due to the tragedy that happened in allen yesterday so game two actually will move out to idaho um and that will be uh this wednesday then friday they'll play in idaho game four at idaho and so basically more you know if there is a game six or seven it will move back to allen so thoughts and prayers um there in a tough situation uh, the other thing is the Texas Stars are in the Central uh, mm-hmm. Finals. They will play against Milwaukee, and that series starts on Friday. And that leads us to our book plug of the day. <laughs> and it happens to be Sean Shapiro's new book called <laughs> We Win Here, the definitive essays you need to know yeah. about the Texas Stars. So I, um, I, I appreciate that. The, yeah, if you're down and out based yeah. on tonight's game, I mean, the best thing to do, you know, they always say, you know, spend money it'll make you happy so <laughs> rather than buying a new pair of shoes help out our buddy sean shapiro and purchase a book i will say this the texas milwaukee series should be a fun one it's yeah. uh two good teams um milwaukee's been milwaukee's coached by carl taylor who used to be an assistant coach he was an assistant coach in texas for a long time before he got the head job in milwaukee um greg rollo former uh, former Former, former, I think he only played like, I don't think he ever played a game for Dallas, but Greg Rollo, who was a longtime Texas star and had a big impact. He was kind of Travis Moore and, and Max Rotunis's right hand man in a way in Texas for a while, is an assistant coach with Milwaukee. So a lot of familiarity between the two teams, uh, between the coaching staffs, between the teams. Um, should be a good series there. And it's, uh, it, it is it is crazy how the scheduling works though with the AHL stuff where it's like Texas is uh, because of logistical travel and cost and everything like that like the, this round is still best of five so even though Texas is the higher seed they're on the road but it's a two three where two games in Milwaukee three games in Texas so it's like the Texas Stars won't be playing a home game until May seventeenth it's a the the schedule below the NHL. Um, is very much uh, reflective of the uh, budget and travel restrictions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. One, one final thing, Sean. It's I know coaches get paid a lot of money, and being in the NHL, you do financially very well. But mm-hmm. the Gerard Gallant situation is just so fascinating. Um that he leads Florida to success and then out. And then there was that whole controversy of, was he left on the street corner, which is funny in itself. Then he goes to Vegas, an expansion team, takes him to the Stanley cup. And they just didn't think that, you know, he was cutting it. So they fired him. And then he comes to the New York Rangers and the first season he takes them to after a year off, he takes them to the conference championship. They're ousted by a very good New Jersey team. And after the game, he was asked about his job security. And he basically gave his resume for his two years in New York and said, you know, why would you ask that question? And then the next day he's out the door. So I would love to know why 
Um, well, I'm fascinated. So, you know, if you have any insight, fill me in. So with Gallant, something that's, it's, 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 and it was always hilarious to me when stars fans were pushing to hire him a couple of years ago when Rick bonus was the interim coach. Cause Gallant is basically stylistically, he's basically Rick, the way he coaches, the way he runs things, he's basically Rick bonus with a slight, with a slight tweak in beliefs, but really Rick bonus and Gallant are, they're not the schematic guys. They're not the, they're not the schematic guys. They're not the, the guys making the chess moves. They're the generals who are motivators. That's what they are. Um, in the very much the same way that Gallant led Vegas to the Stanley cup final is very much the same way that Rick bonus helped Dallas get to the Stanley cup final, where it was, he was the understood the right buttons to push and the way to lead that team. Um, Gallant and bonus are both play are both coaches when they're, when they're the head man who are let their assistants run a lot of the actual adjustments the end game they're more of the big picture ceo type with the with the assistants with these where the assistants are handling more of the the day-to-day uh the stars pete DeBoer, and it's actually it's actually kind of fit it's it's it's, it's pretty funny that pete DeBoer actually followed both of them because pete DeBoer is kind of the opposite pete DeBoer is obviously a head coach and he's in charge of everything but pete DeBoer is much more of a schematic hands-on um hands-on this is the way to do this i'm going to make these changes and doesn't leave it to his assistant coaches pete relies on his assistant coaches but he is way more hands-on in the in-game change in making the lineup change in doing this things where where gallant and bonus are very sim are more like they basically let the assistants make decisions and they kind of co-sign them. And that's kind of what it's. So I always laughed. I, I mean, just because I always, people would in Dallas, you remember it, Gavin, people would be like, Oh, oh like, I was raising bring, my hand, but let, I wanted let, him. Yeah, I'll admit let, it. I'll like, admit it. Man, yeah. Let's bring Gallant. Let's bring Gallant. And, and it's, and it's not that he would have been a bad coach. He's just, I think he's a motivator. He's a, he's a general. And those in, and that style of coaching doesn't have the greatest shelf life. Just, I mean, we saw Rick bonuses. We saw Rick bonuses shelf life in Dallas was short His we saw how things are going to end in Winnipeg. And I mean, I know he's still going to be the coach in Winnipeg next year, but if he's still the coach in Winnipeg after next season, I'd be surprised. Um, so I Gallant will get another job just because it's the Nate, it's the nature of the beast and everything. Now, it feels like Calgary to me, right? Like, like if he's not in, like I would almost like if I'm betting right now, I would yeah. like, it seems like Calgary would be the fit for him next. Um, if, if, if you're the Rangers, what it, it's also funny too, from the perspective, if you're the Rangers, you went and you, you got Tarasenko, you got Patrick Kane, he went and got all these big names and everything like that. And you didn't really like, 
like it feels like Gallant is the fall guy, right? Like, totally. like he, he's the fall guy here, where it's like you mortgaged okay, your future. Yeah, like you've got, and and you're, and you've developed, you've you've made some high picks for guys who have not really turned like, like Lafreniere is a fine player. Alexi Lafreniere is a fine player, but if I tell you Alexi Lafreniere is a number one pick, all of a sudden I'm like, oh boy, like that mm-hmm. was like that's who you got with the number one pick, like that's that's where things start to get start to fall apart. I mean. It's there's a story um, way back when this goes all the way back to 2018. Sorry. Yes. No, 2018. So I remember talking to Jim Montgomery. This was in the time um, Jim Montgomery had was in first couple months of the stars coach in 2018. And obviously we all know Montgomery's tenure in Dallas ended in quite a dramatic fashion, but when Jim Montgomery, um, took the Dallas job in 2018. It was, and there was, he basically picked Dallas over the Rangers job. Um, he, 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 he was give he, he had the choice between the two and he took the Dallas job over the Rangers job. And I remember him telling me of at the time where the Rangers went and hired David Quinn. And they said like, Oh, there's a, they're committing to the rebuild and yada, 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 yada. I mean, Monty literally in that time almost predicted what was going to happen in the future. He told me it's like one of the reasons he looked at Dallas was a more desirable job than New York was the Dallas job. The GM Jim Nill is going to be here and he's going to be part. He's going to, he's going to be both responsible for his decisions and he's going to, and he's loyal where in New York, even though they say they're, they remember they sent out that ridiculous letter, yeah. right? Like you said, even though in New York where they're going to, they say they're committing to the rebuild, someone's going to be the fall guy. Yeah. And it's probably going to be David Quinn. I mean, Jim Montgomery told me that in 2018. It's why he didn't take the Rangers job back then. And he took the Dallas job instead. And so it's just, someone's going to keep being the fall guy because ownership's never been the fall guy. We've seen how the NBA franchises run. Ownership's never going to be the fall guy there. The uh, So it's going to be, it's it's it this time it's Gerard Gallant. The next I mean Chris Jury's the GM there. He's gonna have to pull some rabbits out of his hat soon too, because he he's next on the list. So yeah. it's I mean yeah. it also it also doesn't help that you know that stings too for to lose to it's not just losing to the devils who are your Hudson River rival and everything like that, who Rangers fans try to treat with little brother gloves and everything like that. But you lost to the Devils. You lost to your former assistant coach in Lindy Ruff because he had been in New York before. And we're at the spot where like 94, like I hate to say this because it's going to make us both feel really old. Like got a lot of fan base where I say, oh, they won the Stanley Cup in 94. Like, that's the equivalent of winning for 50 and as winning is in 54 as like yeah, as, it's the Dallas Cowboys. Exactly. So <laughs> a lot of comparisons there because yeah. they are one of the more popular yeah. teams in the NHL. So yeah, yeah it's I uh, just wanted to get your opinion on Gerard yeah. Gallant. Uh, and that's, I mean, this is the stars post game show. However, uh, I do, you know, when things happen in the league, I like to bring it up because you also, are our NHL guru. It was also a seven-two game, so I I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, of course, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Speaking of which, we're going to go to bed, and we will see you 
this is going to sound weird tomorrow night as yes. we tape this <laughs> yes in the yeah. overnight so we will see you tomorrow night hopefully a stars uh bounce back game game four so they can tie it at two but thank you for staying with us and uh thank you once again the numbers came out in april and uh once again spits and suds record numbers and uh truly appreciate it and a lot of those big number podcasts have come on post game shows so thank you for supporting this and it uh, really inspires us to keep doing this after the game so uh, stick tap to you, the Spits and Suds listener. We truly appreciate you. For Sean Shapiro, our NHL group, I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. We will talk to you tomorrow night. Have a great day, everyone.